I've got two, two passages of Scripture. If you would turn to um, Old Testament and New Testament, I'm going to have you turn to James chapter 4 in the New Testament, and we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 18 in the Old Testament. So if you'll find your place in both of those, we are going to uh, conclude our series on overcoming. And I know I said that a few weeks ago, um, but um, just as I was praying uh, last week, I just felt that I wanted to uh, uh, look at uh, last week in overcoming. Uh, what was it last week? Anybody remember? What is it? Overcoming doubt. Good. And so we, we've looked at overcoming depression. We've looked overcoming uh, being overcoming our marriage. We've looked at two weeks of, of, of sexual addiction and addiction. And we looked at overcoming fear. We've looked at overcoming negativity. We've looked at overcoming doubt. And then this week will, will be our conclusion. Uh, we're going to look at overcoming selfishness. Now, some may say, you know, depression or issues in marriage or, or addiction. I don't battle any of those. Um, I think all of us, I think it's human nature for all of us to be selfish. Would you agree with that? When, when we look at things, normally we look at things, how do they affect me, right? How does this affect what I want and what I have planned? Now, there is a difference between um, taking proper care and caring for your family and caring for yourself. And so, obviously, we, we walk outside tonight and we said, is it cold? Well, if I go back and put a jacket on, that's selfish, right? No, that's, you're caring for yourself. You know, you, so there are things that you have to consider um, yourself, your family, the things that God's given to you to care for. But this topic of selfishness would be um, life is about me. And I get frustrated. I get discouraged. I get mad. I get angry. Um, I, I, I only want those around me that allow life to function the way I want it to function. I have a plan, and I don't want anything, including God, to mess that plan up. And when someone does, it's war, right? And so uh, we're going to look at this, this thought of overcoming selfishness tonight. The the best thing you can do in a study like this is not be thinking that person next to me really, really needs this. The best thing you can do is say, if you're going to be selfish about anything, be selfish about this message tonight. This is for me. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to get something. I want to grow spiritually. Um, and and uh, I think you'll see uh, what we want to accomplish here tonight. First number um, 13 of chapter number four of the book of James says this, Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? What is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in what? Your boastings. And that is not where a Christian ought to rejoice. A Christian should not be rejoicing in anything that they've done. Everything that we do, any, any good that we have, any success, if we could use that word, God should receive all glory and honor in our life. 
And he says, so for you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is what? It's evil. It's wrong. Anything you boast in for yourself, he says, it's evil. It's sin. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And so tonight, uh, let's look at verse number one as well. We're going to read the first few, few verses of one and we'll pray and uh, get ready to study. From whence comes wars and fightings among you? Now, is he talking about national wars, you know, country against country? Now, who, who is James speaking to? Let's, let's go to chapter number one, verse number one. Look, my brethren, who is he speaking to? Saved individuals. And, and when he says in verse number four, whence comes wars and fightings among you, he's not talking about what's happening out in the world. And, 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 and come not they hence, even of your lust that war in your members, you lust and you have not, you kill, you desire to have, uh, you cannot obtain, you fight wars and you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss and that you may consume it upon your lust. If we're not careful, we can look at that and say, that describes the world exactly. That's exactly, there's fightings and there's lust and, and it's selfishness and it's self-centered and, 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 and prayers aren't being answered and, and, and he is speaking of, obviously, of the condition the world is in. The problem is this with that thought. He's not. James is talking about the condition of the brethren. They're in a place where there's wars and there's fightings. And and why is that happening? And he says, because there's something inside of you that you've got to look at. And look at number verse number four, ye adulterers and adulteresses. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And so what James is going to do is he's going to lay out for us here in this chapter the, the, uh, the attitude or the, the, the lifestyle of a selfish believer. Someone that's not consumed with the things of God, but someone that's consumed with themselves. It's wickedness. It's evil. Whenever we live our lives to consume what we want, our desires, and not live our lives for the Lord, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And so let's pray and we'll get started here tonight in this study. Father, I pray that you help us as we uh, look at the truths of your word. Help us to understand what your spirit desires to do inside of us. And Lord, I pray that we would learn. I pray that we would apply. I pray that we'd be challenged tonight and convicted. And uh, Lord, help us, encourage us. May we live this Christian life in a victorious way that you have planned for us. And so Lord, that means we've got to get out of the way and let your spirit lead us. And Lord, that's hard. So we need your help. And I pray this and ask for your help this evening in Jesus' name. Amen. Overcoming selfishness. It may be one of the most difficult things to do, considering someone else. Putting someone else's needs before our needs. Selfishness, if you'll, if you'll write this down, selfishness is the opposite of being yielded to the Spirit of God. Selfishness, it's the opposite of being yielded to the Spirit of God. So when I'm 
living a selfish life, who am I concerned about? God, you can talk to me. You're not sleeping already, I hope, right? Who am I concerned about? Me. Right? How it makes me feel, what I want, and, and, and I, mine, me. Living a spirit-filled life, who am I concerned about? The Lord, his testimony, his desire, his plan. And so selfishness would be the opposite of someone that's being yielded to the Spirit of God. Selfishness, as I said, it's I, mine, me. Yielded to the Spirit of God is Christ, eternity. I, I, uh, talking to an older, older preacher, he's been retired for some amount of time now, and, and, um, the question was asked him, uh, uh, not long ago, what, what would you, what are the things that you would do differently in your ministry? And I asked him that question, and what he, what he said, I told the church this uh, Sunday night, I believe. He said to me, I would preach more on the family than I did. He said, I, when I had children in the home and, and, and I was a younger pastor, I preached a lot on the family. But then when I got older, I stopped preaching on the family and my kids were out of the house. And, and so because it wasn't necessarily what I was dealing with in my own life, I stopped dealing on the family. And he said, what I realized was I stopped dealing with the family and helping young families and young families weren't there. They weren't getting the help. He said, but what one subject that he preached on constantly that he would never change and that he would, he would tell every young preacher to preach on would be preaching on the second coming of the Lord. Because if we keep our mind on the fact that Christ is coming again, that keeps in things in perspective in our life. Jesus is coming again. I don't want to live a self-centered life if Christ would come at any moment. And in, in what he said was uh, churches, pastors that, that uh, 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 preach on the second coming, often it challenges the people to live right lives, righteous lives, holy lives. It challenges husbands to be uh, godly husbands. It challenges wives to be godly wives. It challenges people to give. And, and uh, he says, if you want to uh, uh, push missions in the church, preach a lot about the second coming of Christ. People would then be concerned with their life and with the condition of the world and the gospel going out if at any moment they truly believed and it was on their mind that Christ is coming again. Now, how many of you believe that Jesus is coming again? Amen. We believe that. Let me ask you this. Be honest. Be honest. Before I said it just now, how many of you thought of that today at any moment? How many of you believe it? Everybody? Everybody? How many thought about it today? Again, let me see those hands. About four or five people. And that causes us not to have our focus and our heart on the right things. We believe it, but it doesn't make us change how we live. We don't think about it. Now, if I told you this, I got up today and I haven't thought about my wife one time today. Everyone would be like, what kind of husband are you? You haven't thought about her once. I haven't thought about going home and seeing her. Or she coming home and seeing me. I haven't thought about that once today. The reality is she's on my mind. And because she's on my mind, there are certain things I do and there are certain things I don't do. Because she's on my mind. 
There's a certain way I behave because she's on my mind. Because I love her, I'm anticipating. Now, uh, the same thing I believe ought to be true when it comes to Christ. He ought to be on our mind, the fact that he's coming again, the fact that, the, that at any moment that Trump could sound, at any moment he's going to come and call us home, and because of that, it ought to change our life. Would you agree with that? Change your life. But selfishness is this. My life is my life. And I will live it how I want to live it. My life is my life. And I'm going to live it how I want to live it. And the reality is this. That is in direct contradiction to God's word. My life is my life. And I'm going to live it how I want to live it. Is in direct contradiction to God's word. 1 Corinthians 6.20. You don't need to turn here. Just write it down. Go back and you can study this. The Bible says this. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, what? Live however you choose to live? No. He didn't save us to give us liberty to live however we want to live. Now that I'm saved, I can, I can live life however I want to live life. I've got fire insurance. I'm saved. And so it doesn't really matter. Well, you're not thinking about the judgment seat of Christ. You're not thinking about standing before him and giving an account of how you've lived your life. That's a direct contradiction. The Bible says this, for ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Now listen, you can't glorify God in your body and then let your body do whatever it wants to do. It doesn't work that way. Remember, selfishness is the opposite of what? Being led by the Spirit. The only way that I can glorify God in my body is for the Holy Spirit of God to lead me. You know, and, and, and I know you know this, but Dave, your flesh wants the opposite from what the Spirit wants, doesn't it? How many of you would agree with that? Right? It's the truth. What my lust wants, what my flesh wants, is what the old man wants, the old nature wants. What the Spirit of God wants is different. And I can't let myself and my lust and my own desires control me because if I do, I'm living a self, self, uh, selfless life. And if I'm living this kind of life, I can't be filled with the Spirit. And if I'm not filled with the Spirit, I'm not glorifying God in my body. And the Bible says, for ye are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And this is the thing. I don't belong to me. Now, how many of you would like if your neighbor walked over into your garage, needed to mow their lawn, walked into your garage, took your lawnmower, and started mowing their lawn? Walked in, needed a cup of sugar, walked in, didn't knock, just walked into your house, went into your kitchen, took a cup of sugar on the way out, I need some milk too, and just took a gallon of milk with them and walked back to their house. How many of you would say, totally fine, I don't have a problem with that? Why would you have a problem with that? Because it's not theirs, right? You don't behave that way. You would say, if you want something, you have to ask. I'll let you borrow it, but you can't just come in and, and, and take what I have and, and pretend it's yours. I paid for that. Right? If, it got, if it got real bad, finally you'd say to them, I bought that. I worked for that. Well, the same thing is what the Lord's saying here. You were bought with a price. 
in, in you are God's. The moment you trusted Christ as your Savior, you don't belong to you anymore. You then can't do with you what you want to do with you. 1 Corinthians 7.23 says this, You're bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Don't live your life serving anything or anyone other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 5.18, the Bible says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. That's a command. That's what God says. My desire for you is for you to recognize once you're saved, you don't belong to you. And if I don't belong to me, then the things that I want to do with my life, you know what? It doesn't matter anymore. I don't have a say. And if I desire to live a life where I have a say, where it matters what I want, then guess what I'm doing? I'm living a life opposite from how the Lord desires for me to live. And the Bible says, therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. Selfishness is sin. And just like every week we've looked at, the first thing that we have to recognize is it's sin. It's not just a mistake. It's not my bad. It's not, well, that's, you know, it's, I get it honestly from my family. It's not, well, you know, I'm human. Isn't it so comical sometimes just the nonchalant attitude we have when we sin? When sin is, is, is the reason why Christ had to come and die upon the cross. We think of sin and what it does to God and what Christ had to go through because of sin, it ought to cause us to pause and say this, if this is sin, then I need to stop what I'm doing, consider what I'm doing, because Jesus Christ is coming again at any moment, and I don't want to be caught living in sin when he does. And so verse number 14, look with me, probably a great uh, uh, question to ask. For what is your life? James says, so for what is your life? If your life is a vapor and you fadeth away, what are we living for? Stay with me, please. We're going to get to the, the meat of this. I'm just, I wanting, I'm needing to lay this out because I want us to be honest tonight. Because a message like this, it can be one of those. It just goes in one ear and out the other. And we go and we live the life that we want to live. And we, we, we come across problems in trials, and we say, God, I don't understand. Why, why do I have all of this? Why are you allowing all of this? And it's not necessarily that God is allowing it. It's that we're living a life of selfishness, and because of that, we're heaping on this problem and these trials and these burdens upon ourselves. It's not that this is what God wants. God wants you to be filled with the Spirit. He wants you to be living in the Spirit. He wants you to be walking in the Spirit. He wants you to glory and honor Him. He wants you to realize that you belong to Him. Our flesh says, I don't know. And so what is your life? And I won't ask you to say this out loud, but just just in your mind right now, would you answer this question, what's important to you? What right now, if it was taken from you, 
you would you would fight work lust sin power success money kids your family what right now would you say this is my life this is what i'm living for in in order for us to overcome selfishness we 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 must consider that it's sin. And self, selfishness is this. It's you taking control of your life and not allowing God to have what he paid for. It's you taking control of your life, not allowing God to have what he paid for. I, I um, was in the grocery store. I, I, I don't go here often. As I told you, Michelle doesn't let me, but I was, and I always find myself in the aisles I shouldn't be in today. Well, well, earlier I found myself in the ice cream aisle, and I was just looking to see what was on sale. I really wasn't looking to buy. I was just looking to see, is anything good on sale? And this is the honest truth. A mom was coming back to the ice cream aisle with her little kid in the cart. And she opened the door up, Steve, and she took the box that was in her cart put it back into the the cooler because her son got into one and ate one. And she says, I'm not buying an open box and put this back into the cooler. I thought, so somebody else is going to buy an open box that you ate. It didn't belong to you. And, and And I just thought how, how, how weird that was. It was kind of like, there's got to be some camera around here. What does, what does the guy that looks like he eats too much ice cream do when the mom puts ice cream back used, you know? No, she was serious. She put that box back, brought another one, and that's what she wanted to pay for because her own son got in there and ate something, and she wasn't paying for something that was open. I thought, that's weird. That's selfish. Selfish. Selfish is this, you taking control of something somebody else paid for. Listen, selfishness, when someone interrupts your plan, you get upset. When God interrupts your plan, you get upset. It's us looking at every situation that doesn't line up with with making me feel good and saying, that's not fair. A selfish person will often say, that's not fair. Fair to who? Fair to who? Fair to me. That's not fair. It's looking at every situation that doesn't line up with what makes me feel good and say, that's not fair. It's not fair that I got this. It's not fair this happened to me. It's not fair you treated me this way. It's not fair that I got stuck in this situation. It's not fair. And that's selfish. Selfish. And so, signs of selfishness. I want you to write these down. I've got seven signs of selfishness. I want you to ask yourself. Look at these. 1 Samuel chapter number 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. First Samuel chapter number 
18. And we find uh, several chapters here, and we don't have the time to read all of 1 Samuel. Leslie, are you still hot? She's not even listening to me. I'm really hot. I'm sweating up here. 1 Samuel chapter 18, in verse number 8. Look with me here. The Bible says this, And Saul was very wroth, and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed but but thousands. And what can he have more but the kingdom? And what's happening here with with, uh, 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 Saul is this. David, he defeats Goliath, and then he's coming back, and, and, the, and the women start singing, David killed his tens of thousands, but Saul has only killed his thousands, and Saul gets jealous, and he gets envious, and he gets very selfish because they're singing about David, and they're not singing about him. And so then, from that point forward, what happens is, is this, this, this maddening, this, this, this horrific chase. David's like, I'm being hunted like a dog. Here's the king of Israel chasing David all over Israel to kill David. One man because of selfishness. Because someone did something or sang something about David and they didn't sing it about him. He went on this tirade of now wanting to kill David. And you know the story, he throws these javelins at David and he chases David and, 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 and just, just this, this crazy story takes place. I want to use this crazy story that takes place in Saul's life to show you what selfishness looks like. Number one, I want you to write this down. A sign of selfishness. You lose your joy because of someone else's success. You lose your joy because of somebody else's success. Somebody gets promoted at work and you can't say congratulations because you didn't get promoted. Sometimes it even gets deep, gets closer to our relationships, like relationships that are, are meaningful and family relationships and really good friend relationships. We lose joy because someone else has success. You ever get upset somebody got a new car? You ever get upset that somebody else got something? I was selfish this week. Our church in Georgia, they were all excited, all happy. And uh, the church I pastored there in Georgia before I coming here, and the pastor um, made an announcement, and I had someone, one of the men call me, the deacons down there call me and say, guess what you missed out on? I said, what? They said, a, a, a lady in her church died. I said, so I missed out on a funeral? What, what do you mean? She left the church $600,000. I said, well, I pastored there for three years. How much of that do we send up to Monclova Road? <laughs> I was a little envious. There was a there was a, uh, another fellow, a pastor friend. He, I was his youth pastor. I, I found out yesterday a lady or a person died in his church. Kelly, guess what? Left them a million dollars. I said, I don't like you guys. I'm mad. And, yeah, $3.50, yeah. 
But seriously, I want to, in my spirit, say, wonderful, that's praise the Lord. But part of me says, that's not fair. That's not fair. Well, why, why does that happen? And sometimes we face selfishness because somebody else is success and we didn't have the success. And because we didn't have the success, we get a little bit upset and we get selfish and we say, what? It's not fair. God knows we can use $600,000. Number two, I want you to write this down. Sign of selfishness. You know what Saul's problem was? Saul had to be the center of attention. The sign of selfishness is you've got to always be the center of attention. When you don't get attention, it causes you anger. When, when somebody doesn't recognize what you've done, when, 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 you're, when you're, 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 your uh, effort at something doesn't get recognized, when somebody else gets the credit and you're not the center of attention, you know what happens? Selfishness, it breeds inside of us and, and we start to say it's not fair. And instead of us being led by the Spirit of God saying, praise the Lord, He's working there and obviously there's a, a need there and obviously somebody else is, 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 is he's getting a blessing from Him. Instead, we look at that and we say, it's not fair. Number three, I want you to write this down. Look with me in 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse number 29. And Saul was yet the more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually over a song. Over a song. A song that led to the Lord taking his hand off of Saul and blessing David's life. And David was just doing right. And now Saul is failing in the kingdom and, and he's becoming selfish. And you know what he begins to do? And number three, I want you to just write this down, a sign of selfishness. You begin to blame others for your failures. It's everybody else's fault. If it wasn't for this, then I would have this. And a sure sign that you're living a selfish life is this, is this. You blame others for your failures. Because you know you wouldn't fail if it was just up to you. You would be successful if it wasn't for someone else. Saul would be a better king if they wouldn't sing about David. If it wasn't for David, well, let me remind us of this. When, when, when Goliath came out and, and was calling the armies of Israel out to fight, where was Saul? He was in his tent. He had every opportunity to go out. His failures weren't because of, 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 of uh, uh, David. His failures were because of him. He lacked the confidence in God. He lacked his faith in God. And instead of walking in the Spirit of God like David was, he began to walk in his flesh, and he began to look at what would this do for me? I'm scared. When you walk in the flesh, when you walk in selfishness, you lack faith. You don't do great things for God when you're living a selfish life. The reality is this, you do things that later on in life you want to forget. I want you to write this down, number four. Number four is this, signs of selfishness. You seek to punish others and find satisfaction in doing so. Let me show you what I mean by that in verse, uh, verse number 11 of this chapter. And Saul cast a javelin, for he said, I will smite David even to the wall with it. And David avoided out of his presence twice. Look with me in verse number 17 in the same chapter. And Saul said to David, Behold my elder daughter Merab, for 
will I give thee to wife. Only be thou valiant for me, and fight the Lord's battles. For Saul said, let not mine hand be upon him, but let the hand of the Philistines be upon him. You see, what he was going to do is this. David says later in that chapter, I'm poor. I don't have anything to give the king for his daughter. And Saul says, oh, don't worry about it. Just go kill a bunch of Philistines and bring back the proof. You know what he said that for? Because he said, if David goes and fight these Philistines, there's too many of them, David's going to die. You know what he wanted? He wanted David to be punished. He wanted harm to come upon David. And he felt satisfaction in David being harmed because Saul was living a selfish life. Do you ever find satisfaction in somebody else having troubles? Oh, they'll get what's coming to them one day. Why would you want that? A person filled with the Spirit of God doesn't want a person to, to be punished, doesn't want a person to go through heartache. But a selfish person, you know what it says? It feels really good for them to get what's coming to them. Right? How many of you have ever been mad at somebody and you hoped, don't raise your hand, but you hoped they got what was coming? They deserve it. That's not the spirit of God in you. You're not becoming a prophet, prophesying of this. That's a critical spirit coming from a selfish person saying, I don't like what's happening and I hope they get what's coming to them. It's a sign of selfishness. Number five, would you write this down? You view yourself better than others. A selfish person always looks down at other people. Saul, I'm the king and David's just a peasant. Why would they sing of a peasant when they could be singing of the king? Doesn't David know who I am? Listen, people were useless to to Saul. His own son, and again, we don't have the time, but you know the story, most of you would with, with Saul. If not, read chapter 18, 19, 20, 21, and through the end of this book, and you'll see what I'm talking about. They, uh, Saul's living this life. Saul's angry at Jonathan now. Saul has gathered around about 3,000 men, and here he is. He's got a spear in one hand. He's underneath a tree, and he says, oh, none of you love me like you love David. He's feeling sorry for himself, and he's always looking down on other people. I am the king, and I cannot believe that you would do something, Jonathan, to jeopardize the kingdom. Selfish people always see themselves as better. Number six, if you write this down, a sign of selfishness, your needs must be met first before anyone else can be considered. Your needs must be met first before anyone else's can be considered. Now listen to me. We all struggle with this. How many of you love when it's time to eat, you get what's after everybody else's portioned out their food, you, it's your turn. Right, you smell the food, it looks good. I mean, the, the people before you, this is what happens when you have five kids who are already eating their food before, you know, you get your bite. And they're telling you how good it is. Listen to me. What, this is what happens. Your needs must be met before others can be considered. That happens in selfishness. It happens with coworkers. It happens in church. It happens in marriages. It happens in parenting. Everything's fine as long as I'm first. 
And now once I get all of my needs ministered to, I now can consider what your needs are. That's selfishness. That will destroy your marriage. That will destroy, that will destroy any part of your life that you're involved in when you have to have your needs met first. And then number seven, I want you to write this down. If your emotions are constantly up and down due to your perception of how others treat you, you're living a selfish life. If your emotions are constantly up and down due to the perception of how others treat you, you're living a selfish life. I'm good today because everyone treated me good. Life just isn't fair. Man, people are just saying things and talking about me. If we live life that way, we're up and down all over the place because we're living selfishly. We're always concerned and always caring what somebody is saying, what somebody thinks, how somebody feels about me. You know, if we cared for others and cared for Christ like we care for ourselves sometimes, a lot better things would be accomplished. And so these are just seven. There's more, and you could think of some more, obviously. But those are seven things. How do we overcome those things? And let me finish up here. Our time is coming to an end. Go back with me to James chapter 4. How do I, how do I overcome? So you say, okay, you got me. You caught me on one of those. Guilty. But I could have told you that. So all you just did is reiterate what I already know. And if I knew, that's not the problem. How do I fix it? I'm glad you asked. James chapter number four, how do we overcome these things? If this is who we are, if we're battling with selfishness, if we're battling with self and self-centeredness, how do I overcome this? It's not, well, just try better. Selfishness is the best you can do in your own flesh. As Christians, we have a source. We have the power that's called the Word of God, and it's called the Holy Spirit of God, and we can overcome depression. We can overcome uh, uh, sexual addiction. We can overcome in our marriages. We can overcome fear. We can overcome doubt, and we can overcome selfishness. How? By using the Word of God, living the Word of God, and letting the Spirit of God lead us. And so I want you to see this. How do I overcome this? He says this in verse number 13, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. He says this, I want you to think about this. Those that think that you have your life all planned out for your pleasure, for all those that think that you have your life all planned out the way you want it planned out, I want you to remember something. I want you to get a proper view of real life. And that's this. You can't control tomorrow. We're so concerned of what tomorrow is going to bring. We're so selfish about what, what, what's fair is coming my way. You can't control tomorrow. Life is short. Life is uncertain. And you have wasted your life if your motive is self-gain. You've wasted your life. 
I've got to come to this understanding and this realization. If I live a selfish life, how do I overcome this? How do I, how do I then overcome those things that you mentioned tonight? One is realizing in a, when I live a selfish life, the word of God says this, I've wasted my life when I live it for self gain. I've wasted my life when I live it for me. I want you to think about this and write this down. Number two, how do I overcome this? Recognize that you want tomorrow so bad that you're willing to lose the opportunities that God has for you today. You want to control. You want tomorrow. You want to be in possession of your life. You want to be in possession of your plan. You're thinking about tomorrow. You're planning for tomorrow that what you're doing is you're losing out what God has for you today. How many of you ever worried about tomorrow? Anybody? I know I have. Both hands up. Have you ever worried about something only to find that what you worried about didn't even come true? You worried about tomorrow and, and you wasted today and tomorrow didn't even come the way you thought it was going to come. Or you live your life wanting and getting and gaining and you've got your, your plan and something interrupts your plan. I've been wanting this. I've been planning. I was so close. And, and you realize this, by, by being upset by what you don't get in the future, it ruins what you could get from God today. It goes back to the fact that if Christ comes back today, why am I so concerned about what is wrong and what I don't get in the future and what I want to do and what my dreams and what my goals are? And when they get interrupted, I get so upset. Why do I care about all those things? If I can have God's blessing on my life today, and if Jesus Christ comes back today and I hear from him, well done, thou good and faithful servant, why would I want anything else than that? I want you to see this. Number three, how do I overcome this? Look at verse number 15. For that, you ought to say, this is a different frame of thinking, a different mindset, if the Lord will. If the Lord will. How many of you ever talked to somebody in there? See you, see, you, see you next week. Lord willing. Sometimes that annoys me when people say that, but I know what they mean. Just, I'll see you next week. Just, can't we just agree on that? Lord willing. See you Sunday. Lord willing. I mean, Lord, what you know what they're saying? If that's God's plan, I want to do it. Why does that aggravate me so much? Because sometimes my plan isn't God's plan. Let's just admit that. Sometimes I don't want God's plan. Because I like my plan, and I like what I have uh, 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 dreamed up. And, and sometimes I don't like that. How do I overcome selfishness? I have to accept the best thing for my life is this, Lord willing. The Lord's will. The best way to overcome selfishness is desire what He wants. And recognize that if He wants this, and it's in direct opposite of what I want, He knows what's better for me. He knows what's best, and my life is best lived with Him in control. That sound, I know that sounds so simple, but if we would get that thought... My life is best lived with him in control. It's not my place. It's not my time. It's not my life. Listen, the proper biblical view of your life is this, Lord willing. It's truth. If I live my life every day, if the Lord wills, do you know how much wars and fightings it would take away? I go home to my wife and I say, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that. And 
She says, well, Lord willing. I say, Lord willing. But you know what happens? I go home and I say, no, I want this. You didn't respond the way I wanted you to respond. You didn't do when I wanted what you wanted what I wanted to do. You didn't do as I need you to do and want you to do. And you know what? Listen, in those moments, all Lord willing is gone. You know what I'm concerned about? Me. And that's why we have wars, and that's why we have fightings, and that's why our lust is controlling us, not the world. That's why it's infiltrated the church. Just like I preached Sunday night, the vineyards that God once said, these were my pleasant vineyards, they now are gone. Because we don't say, Lord willing. We do that when we're raising our kids. We, 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 need to, we need to teach our kids, Lord willing, that's what you're going to do. My, my son has several years of his life planned out. And someone said to me, boy, that's really impressive at his age. It scares me to death. You know why it scares me to death, Dave? Because I don't want it to be his plan. Now, if that's God's plan, I say to him all the time, Jacob, if God opens those doors, wonderful. But great to have a plan. I'm glad you've got 10 years of your life laid out. But if God changes it at any moment, trust him. Don't get mad. Don't get upset. Have a plan, but let God, Lord willing, right? Imagine if we live that life, Lord willing. Imagine if we treated our finances that way, Lord willing. There wouldn't be a missionary ever needed begging for support. There'd never be problems and issues in a church. Churches would never have to go to a bank. I know we got a banker here, and you need, you need, we need to borrow money from banks, but churches would never have to go to a bank and borrow money if people said, Lord willing, I'm going to do that with my finances. Lord willing, I'm going to do that with raising my children. Lord willing, I'm going to do that in my home. Lord willing, I'm going to live my life. So the Lord's plan is what's seen. Because listen, we don't live a life for our legacy. We, we don't want, after we lived our life, our names on a bridge and our name on a building, our name on a sign. We want the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ to be seen. We want it to say that man, that woman lived for Christ. They gave glory to him. You know who owned that person because you can see it in the way they lived their life. Not my place. The proper, proper biblical view of your life is this. The Lord wills. And then write this down. Realize a selfish life ends in an unfulfilled life. Realize a selfish life ends in an unfulfilled life. I won't take the time to turn there because I'm out of time, but Ecclesiastes chapter number 1, verses 2 through 8, you read the story of Solomon. You know what? Solomon had everything. You know what he realized? He has nothing. Because he didn't have what God wanted. You can live your life getting, but listen to me, an unfulfilled life, it's a life of vanity. Solomon had, he loved getting, he loved loving, he loved lusting. You know what he said at the end of my life? My selfish life, I have nothing to show. Matter of fact, you know what he had to show? A divided kingdom when he died. And then 
I just write this down, number five, and I repeat what I said in the beginning. How to overcome selfishness? You keep our lives focused upon the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just keep your life focused on he's coming again and live it every day. You know what we ought to, as Christians, ought to remind ourselves every day when you get up? He's coming again. He's coming again. It, it, it will overcome so many issues in our life. I, I don't want to be caught looking at something I shouldn't be looking at if Jesus Christ is coming again. I don't want to be caught saying something I shouldn't say if he's coming again. I don't want to be caught at a place I shouldn't be caught at. I won't be caught thinking something. I don't want to be caught involved in something if at that moment Jesus Christ can come in because I want to see my Savior, the one that died for me, the one that bought me with a price, the one that loved me so much that he gave his life, he bore my sin upon the cross. Why in the world would I want to live a life where I wasn't remembering him? So how do I overcome this? Lastly, number five, I overcome selfishness by keeping my life focused upon the second coming of Christ. He's coming again. And therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin. I want to overcome sin. I do it by the truths of the word of God.